Memorial believes in radical hospitality, going beyond hello to being uh, truly greeting people and being prepared for people. If you think about radical hospitality in this room, we have our security check-in system for children fifth grade and under. Make sure you walk back there and get that done before the service. It's much easier to do that um, prior to the start of Sunday school. Um, we are going to try to end our service at 15 till uh, so that you have plenty of time to get your classrooms if you're a volunteer or get your children to their classrooms and get to your Sunday school if you're a Sunday school teacher. We have all kinds of snacks and uh, coffee over there and restrooms here should you need them. Make sure you uh, reach out to any of us uh, if you have any sort of questions. We have Exploring Memorial class today. You'll learn just more about the church, more about other visitors, uh, more about our philosophy here. If you uh, want to go with me, I'll be in the back at that back door. Um, we're just going to the social hall, which is 20 feet that way on the other side of the building. Um, and we'll uh, meet for 30 minutes or so, just learn more about uh, our church and our philosophy. Um, we have a dinner. Uh, First Wednesday dinners are um, uh, sometimes in here, sometimes in the social hall, depending on uh, the event that we have going on. Uh, be, that will be on the first Wednesday of September. September. Um, and we have a bluegrass band coming. So uh, mark that on your calendar to make sure uh, to be here on the first Wednesday. We will um, register uh, reservations uh, a couple weeks before that. Um, we believe in passionate worship. Um, we have the books are here. If you look at the back, Erin is at the table in the back. There's books to her right, um, your left. We're using those books um, uh, written by Bishop Will Willeman from now until October 16th. Fear the other, no fear in love. Um, and you can get those books here. I encourage you to read them uh, as we go through the week. We basically have a chapter about every two weeks, and I encourage you to get that. Um, I wasn't here uh, to announce that Caitlin was here. Uh, we believe in passionate worship in both styles. Um, forget what style you have. Make sure you do it like it matters. And so we've uh, hired Caitlin. She was started in the band about the same time I did. Started here. And um, she is going to organize the band. She's going to organize the volunteers. And she actually needs a setup person for the first for September uh, family to help set up the gym uh, for that month. Um, neither of us have been in the same place since we hired her, but I promise uh, we will be in the same place at the same time um, next week. We believe in intentional faith development. August 21st is next Sunday at 11 o'clock. We encourage you to be hang around for the Children's Ministry Volunteer Orientation, and that, is, that time is accurate. It's at 11 o'clock. We know that there are a number of things that are after you as August starts, and we encourage you to come to this worship service. Um, we actually have uh, third grade Bibles and Blessing of the Children, and then at 11 o'clock, we have the orientation um, to all sorts of great fun things Children's Ministry is doing. Um, I also want to tell you about the podcast. Um, I do a 15-minute podcast now every week. Um, it's about the scripture and ideas that are coming for Sunday. Uh, it's very simple to find. You can go to Google search and type Sunday scripture podcast. It's the scripture that will be on Sunday, Sunday scripture podcast. Very simple. Um, we believe in risk-taking mission and service. Um, as part of the podcast, they'll be uh, brought to you by um, every show. And that brought to you by will be um, uh, a mission in the area that will explain something that's going on in their mission and something that they need from us. We believe in extravagant generosity. You know what we're asking for about this time? is your time. There's nothing more valuable to, than your time, and we get that. Um, but we're signing up a number of important things for our programs and areas, and uh, we encourage you to do that. 
The youth start back tonight at 5 p.m. They end at 7 p.m. That will be the last time they end at 7 p.m. Starting next week, we're going to line up children and youth, and everybody ends at 6.30. Um, but tonight, they start at what time? 5, and they end at 7. Uh, so make sure your youth come tonight. Let's begin our service. Please stand and sing with us. What can I give to you? What can I offer to a king for all the love you've shown? For all your mercy over me I called your name You heard my cry Out of the grave And into life My heart is yours My soul is free Thank you God saving me thank you God for saving me the rock of salvation my hope is built on nothing less morning by morning great is your faithfulness Saving me, 
Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for waking us up again. Um, pray that we can use this day uh, to glorify you. Pray that our hearts will be open to hear what Joe has to say um, and that he will be a vessel for you. Uh, Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Please turn to greet your neighbor. So Renessa Fernander is our new choir director in traditional worship. She's been here a couple months now. And the, uh, whatever you call this thing, lectern in traditional worship was too tall for her. And so we had to get one that was shorter. And so that left a somewhat tall lectern. And I thought, hey, I'm going to take that thing so I can do this. Watch this. Isn't this cool? I can go back and forth. I think the carpet keeps me contained. I have to stay on the carpet. So if y'all don't see me on the carpet, let me know. I usually make mistakes coming off of uh, vacation week. Uh, the first one I've made so far is I forgot to say the prayer concerns. So if y'all have uh, prayer concerns that you would like to be shared uh, with our Tuesday prayer group, if you'll please uh, raise your hand. They'll bring you a note card, and if you'll please write legibly. Um, I won't uh, be able to get them by the time we pray right now, um, but we can share them with the Tuesday prayer group. I apologize about that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for a place in which we may come and worship you. And we pray for all those who are gathering in your name this morning around the world in all sorts of different ways and all sorts of different uh, musical styles, locations, theological beliefs, all united under your love. And as we start a new series today, and we think about our fears of the other, our times in which we were the other, our times in which we've done a good job with someone who was another, and at times when we struggled. We ask that you make it all relevant to us. You open the scripture to us. You help us understand your will so that we can be your instruments. Bless us this morning, Lord. Teach us as we pray the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I feel kind of like Ricky Bobby, not holding a folder. I'm not sure what to do with my hands. But maybe I can keep them down here. Um, we are starting, again, as uh, said with Bishop Willeman's book, um, Bishop Willeman is one of my favorite people. Uh, as I said on the um, podcast, he bites you. Um, but he does it in a way that's really funny, and you laugh while he's doing it to you, and you learn a great deal about yourself and about um, humanity in general and ways in which uh, we can improve, because he's coming for you. And his scripture, the first one in the chapter, is uh, Romans 5, 1 through 8. So we're going to look at that together. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So let's look at your first phrase. Peace with God. This is elusive in the Bible. 
It's elusive today. It's elusive in a lot of the relationships that, are, that we have, and it's due to a couple classic subjects. Back then, not long ago, today, and in the future. It has to do with impatience. Sometimes the people who are trying to follow God feel like um, the thing that God wanted them to do and the result that they thought was going to come is not coming fast enough. Or what they wanted someone else to do something, something that God told them to do, and they're not changing fast enough. They're not believing fast enough. Whatever it is, is not fast enough. And do you believe that might be worse today, given how quickly we can get a number of things in a very positive way? I go see a primary care physician now, he can pull up my entire medical history and any doctor I've seen have it all there in one computer. If I want to know um, how many Super Bowls the Pittsburgh Steelers have won and what year they won and how many scores, what was the score of each one, I can tell you that in the next 30 seconds. There's a lot of good in that, really. But we struggle with patience. Patience with ourselves, patience with God, patience with others. Confusion. What was it God wanted me to do? What was it God wanted you to do? What was it God wanted us to do? When there's confusion about what we're going to do, um, a serious trouble. And, and confusion really is related to communication. My father-in-law says that 90% of all problems come right down to communication. How did you communicate? How did people hear it? How is it retained? And what were you going to do about it? Of course, even if you hear it properly, even if you understand what you're supposed to do, something else can kick in every once in a while, and that's selfishness. Yeah, I understand that's what we... I've seen somebody do this in a meeting. I understand that that's what we're trying to do, but really, <laughs> whatever it is. I was just hoping I could... Whatever. I understand this is a consensus. We've gone a long way to get to this point. But uh, really, you know, I just kind of want to do my own thing. These are all reasons, and they're primary reasons. There's plenty of reasons. But peace with God can be elusive on our end because we've created the separation through the behavior that I've talked about just now. So, you skip forward, you know, the creation of the world and God with human beings, skip all the way forward to after Jesus' death and resurrection. That's your next phrase. Paul is writing after violence. Extreme violence. We can see uh, immediately in our text how elusive peace can be. There's been excessive violence by the people... Uh, in relation to Jesus, right there around Jesus in all sorts of ways. Um, plots by his family. Pushing him to the edge of the cliff one day when he said that he was the fulfillment of all things. Judgment by um, uh, those that were in the court that said that he was against everything that he ever said he was. And then a violent, violent death. Of course, the response of Jesus not only in life, in death, in resurrection... Peace. Peace and love and understanding. Peace and service. The culmination of which, just prior, I mean not just prior, but not long before this text, is the disciples. We read the story as part of our On the Water series. The disciples put the net out there. There's nothing. They're exhausted. They wake up in the morning. They're working in the morning. Jesus comes out there and he says, put the net on the other side. Then he cooks fish for them. At that meal, he says, Peter... Do you know who I am? Do you love me? You know, through all that confusion we had, all that selfishness we had, all that trouble with communication we have, 
do you love me? You gonna, you gonna do this? You want another opportunity? And of course, Peter breaks down and wants that opportunity. So let's look at your third phrase, and it comes from the text. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Which one of these would most likely cause you to brag? Work? Family? Household duties? Sports team? That you got something solved at work, would that cause you more likely cause you to brag? That you got the cup in the den and you put it in the dishwasher? That you emptied the dryer? Would that cause you, would that make you more likely to brag? Uh, that you, um, a child or a grandchild or a, um, a parent did something impressive, would that be more likely to cause you to brag? Um, Georgia Tech beat Virginia. Would that be more likely to cause you to brag? Which one of these things? All of these things have uh, something that wells up inside us enough that we need to tell somebody. Our loved ones, other people, who I don't care who, but I'm going to tell somebody that I have good news in this particular area. This is a different sort of thing. We boast about God, what God has done, the love that God has already given us. And isn't there something cool about giving somebody credit in public? There's something fun about saying, this person did an amazing job. We gave them, we gave them a difficult task, and, um, and they followed through, and they actually exceeded our expectations. This person did a wonderful job. He says, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We're going to celebrate God. So let's look at chapter 14. I'm sorry, verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So let's look at your next phrase. Hope does not put us to shame. It's a powerful phrase and it's something we need to keep in our minds all the time because I'll give you the example of the person who wrote the text. Plenty of people, as Paul is writing this, have put Paul to shame. The people that he used to be with that were persecuting Christians and he was an all-star doing that, what do you think they thought when he left? Like, what are you doing? You're going to go join him now? What's wrong with you? He was persecuting Christians He's now with Christians. And they know that he killed a number of his people in God's name. What do you think they're saying about him? You want to come over here now? What are you, crazy? People in the middle, neutral people. People that saw what happened to Jesus. And if you just watch the scoreboard, if you just watched him go into town and what happened, and then he's crucified, and I don't know, somebody probably took him. What do you think those neutral people think about what Paul is saying? They are totally ready, all three groups, to smash the hope that he has with tiny little things, big things. Let me give you, uh, uh, obviously, quite different and modern example. Um, 
How many of you know who Kevin Durant is? Kevin is an NBA basketball player. He's on the U.S. Olympic team. You can see him playing right now. Um, Kevin has played in the NBA for nine seasons. He's played for the Golden State. Um, not go Wow, I just did it. He's now with Golden State. He's played with the Oklahoma City Thunder all nine seasons. First one they were in Seattle, but basically been the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's played in 641 games. You know how many games of those he started? 641. How many points he scored? 17,000. You know how many times he gets in major trouble? How many times he talks trash about other people? So on, uh, let me get this right, May 26th, they were starting game five against Golden State. They were up three to one in the best out of seven series. You gotta win one more. Next three games, they lost. And they lost them in heart-wrenching ways. And all of a sudden, his team was out of the um, running. All of a sudden, Golden State's in the finals. Uh, in the offseason, he went to Golden State, the team that beat them when they were down 3-1. Uh, you wouldn't believe how vicious people have been to him in this change. They call him a coward because he joined the team that beat him, called him a uh, 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 What's the opposite of loyal? What? <laughs> Disloyal. We got some English majors in the room. I like it. <laughs> Traitor. Disloyal is kind of a friendly way. Traitor. And sports reporters just shredding him for doing so. Although a number of sports reporters in modern era, you know, there's a, there used to just be ESPN. And now there's all sorts of sports uh, outlets. And a number of those reporters have seen a deal that they could take at an, another network, and guess what they've done? They've gone to that other place. So the people who are welcoming him probably are the best, but they're probably like, you know, you want to come here? And the people that he left behind are like, let's burn your jersey. This person that I bought a jersey for my son, we're about to burn it. Um, and of course, neutral people, people that aren't involved with Golden State or Oklahoma City are like, ah, what a coward, wanting to switch between the two. And there's something about that vicious reaction that lets us know about humanity. We shame others to bring relief to ourselves. When we see something that someone else has done and it's a thing that we haven't done, mercy. We're going to lump every feeling that we have of shame and being uh, uh, separated and go, that's the person that makes something wrong with society. It's that person's fault. We do it locally too. We'll do it in church sometimes. We'll do it in the family sometimes. That family member is the one that's separating us from doing what we need to do. Do it in the workplace. It was just not for that person. This is a totally opposite text. From a person who switched total opposite sides, saying, I'm not boasting in what I'm capable of or what I've done. I'm boasting in the hope of the Lord. So that's your next phrase. Love has been poured out. That came from the section that we just read. If love comes from God, we need to pivot away from humans as our sole source of love. If we are turning to humans for our sole source of love, 
we're going to struggle. Because all love originates from God and comes to us from God. So let's look at our quote of the day from uh, Bishop Williman. As Christians, we are prejudiced towards hospitality, particularly for those in need, because that's the way God in Christ has treated us and commanded us to treat others. Christian on the podcast said, uh, I said, you ever use prejudice in a positive way? You ever heard it in a positive way? And she said, well, it's just sort of the way our brains naturally operate. We organize things. We structure things. If you could see the way my sermon looks with all the colors, if you could see the um, layout of the worship service I give to all the leaders, all the colors, if you could see my Google Drive folder with all the folders and all the colors, whatever it is, I'm just trying to break down this crazy life into very specific points so that I try not to miss any. So if you do that, if you're breaking it down constantly, it's what our brain's always doing. Sometimes it's good, it helps us organize, but sometimes it can be very, very bad. We make choices too quickly. We determine that someone else is not within this category too quickly. We determine that we're not in this category too quickly. So this is your last phrase, our new prejudice, hospitality. As Bishop Willeman said, we are prejudiced towards hospitality. We are thinking, what can we do to make sure that the people in this group or the people at lunch at work or the people in my household feel welcome and love in the name of God? Sometimes it's words. A whole lot of times it's action. What can I do beforehand to make sure that the people in my life feel love in the name of God? Because God has first loved me. If you think, I don't know, man. Uh, life's complicated enough. I don't know if I can shift my behavior. How much did Paul shift his behavior? How many opportunities was Peter given? You are no different. You're also no different in that every one of us have been called to be an instrument of God's grace and love. God establishes peace actively creates situations in which we can live that peace out, responds to violence with opportunity, and does not put us to shame. We, at our very best, will be doing the exact same thing. Let us pray. Gracious God, forgive us when we judge others excessively, hoping to relieve the pain that we feel from our perceived shortcomings. Instead, help us to feel confident, not in our own actions or achievements, but in your love and grace that preceded us. Help us to see the endless examples of the struggles of humans in the Bible and the endless examples of opportunity that you presented to give them another chance and a wonderful celebration of their response. Help us, Lord, to respond in that same way that we can be prejudiced towards hospitality. Amen. Stand and join me in our modern affirmation.
We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. It's now time to give our tithes and other offerings. We have uh, every way that you can give um, electronically. If you'll please uh, grab a bulletin on your way out if you've yet to learn how to do that and you would love to do it.
Please stand and sing this next one with us. Yeah. 
Every once in a while, I used to introduce that Alicia was with us. I'm not going to do that anymore because she's with us, with us. Alicia's in the rotation, so glad to have you. I want to do something I don't know of a better way to do it. I want you all to take your cell phones out. Simon says, take your cell phones out. Minister says, take your cell phone out during worship. I want you to call this number. You ready? 864 256 0975. 864 256 0975. And hit send. And when you um, get home, enter that as the pastoral care emergency line in your phone. You'll get an immediate voicemail and you'll leave a message. You'll tell us exactly what's going on and we'll get someone there as quickly as possible, um, whether I'm here or not. That's the number I want you to have in any way, shape, or form for pastoral care. Uh, for our church. Thank you so much for the people who helped put this service together. Thank you for coming. It's going to be a special season when we're looking at this book, an important time, and I encourage you to invite people. I encourage you to invite them to listen to the podcast if they're nervous about coming to church. Find ways, any way possible, to get someone exposed to our church because it's a special time for us. We've hired good people, and we're... Um, ready for the fall. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.